get it. It's lit. Okay, well, today's going to be our first episode of a podcast with my very Persian father. Um, I'm your host, Kamiar Marabian. My co-hosts today are Hamid Marabian and Jacob Silva, who many people say look just like me and that we could be family. Um, several people actually have said that. And yeah, uh, but I'm not the father, okay? That's no, no. <laughs> not that we know of, yeah. That's what we've been told anyways. Um, so, um, what is the point of this podcast? Well, every week or every other week, I'm going to bring my podcast stuff over to my dad's house. And we're going to record a podcast because people just want to hear my dad's opinions on things. And they say, you should make a podcast with your dad. And I was like, okay, sounds like a good idea. And so for each podcast, we are just going to talk about something random. And today, uh, we're going to talk about, since it's back to school, kids are going back to school, some virtually, some not so virtually, some in person. We're just going to talk about our experiences in school, in which my dad has experiences from Iran and the United States, both in high school, um, and then he went to college in Oklahoma. And then I have, of course, me and my buddy Silva both grew up in the U.S., and we have our experiences in high school, college, etc. But anyways, so, Silva, what schools have you attended since you've grown up in the United States? Um, so I have attended... Uh, Am I good here? Awesome. Uh, I've attended uh, Briarwood Elementary. I've attended uh, Brink Junior High. Yeah. Uh, I've attended Southmore High School. I've attended the uh, local community college, OCCC, and now the University of Central Oklahoma. What about you, Dad? Where, 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 what schools have you gone to? Oh, well, I was born in Iran, and I was raised here in the U.S., I came to the United States. My dad brought me here in 1978 when I was 15 year old, finished the 10th grade in Iran. School in Iran is totally way, it's just absolutely different than here, especially at that time back in 70s. Uh, grow up in a very good school system, neighborhood, and all that in Iran, and uh, just like here, it was mixed girls and boys, they went to elementary, junior high, high school, till these ding-dongs, they took over the country, you know, and then after that, Iran. Who are the ding-dongs? Ding-dongs is uh, ayatollahs, mullahs, and all the people that they came, and they, they really took the con- beautiful culture, beautiful country of Iran to basically to shedders. So in elementary, my memories are really, I can go back and I grow up with a lot of good kids, uh, had fun, and like I said, briefly school system, we had what, like 10 subjects? If you fail one, and if you had A's in all nine subjects and you failed one, you repeat the whole year again. So that was the system. And then the education was really in a high level. And when I came here at 1978, um, I I went to Bishop McGinnis. It's a Catholic school. Are you Catholic? I'm not Catholic. I'm not. Uh, I believe in God. I believe that God is. Uh, we are all God's creations. Muslims, Christians, Jewish. So. Did you shave your head when you got to Bishop McGinnis? Oh no! Well, let me tell you guys the uh, memories in Iran when. When after junior high you went to high school, then it was very mandatory to shave, you know, your your hair, your head, and then 
So when we finished uh, our junior high, me and my friends, five of us, we went to barber shop and said, okay, you know, that shave our head. And, and barber shop, well, he knew that, hey, that year, Iran, you know, Board of Education changed the law or the ruling that you, you don't shave anymore, okay? You can cut it short, but because he wanted to make money off of five ding-dongs, you know? <laughs> so he said, okay, guys, sit down. So he shaved our, all of our fi five of us, five or six of my friends, we shaved our hair heads, and then the next day when the school started, guess how many people they had their head heads shaved? Just five. Just you and your just friends. Just us. <laughs> <laughs> and we were the clown of the, you know, it was a good memory. It was, you know, we had hat on, you know, and everybody just come and just uh, play and learn. Like I, like I said, you know, that, and it was, I loved going to school in Iran. It was friendly people. And then, but then at 1978, when I went to Bishop McGinnis, and here, you know, you live in U.S. And, uh, of course, at that time there was crisis, you know, uh, in in Iran and the U.S. And there was a lot of politics involved. But then I had a very rough time at, at Bishop McGinnis because there was... Uh, I love Bishop McGinnis. Let me clear that before I make comments, okay? Mm -hmm. And I would love to see my grandkids to go to Bishop McGinnis. I always love to talk about Bishop McGinnis. I want the best for Bishop McGinnis because uh, Bishop McGinnis was basically at that time was, it still is that very high educational, very high on education. And their sports are, at even at that time, you know, it, but they were pulling their own grounds. So, so, so now that's clear, you know, but Let's, let me tell you some uh, meanness, you know, among a uh, couple of teachers, some of the students that, of course, the education wasn't there as far as uh, not a school education, the family and the mental education that, hey, these kids are here, they have nothing to do with the governments or that. But How good was your English when you went to Bishop McGinnis? Well, I'm still working on it, <laughs> you know, but overall, at that time, English was and is the second language in Iran, always. So, I knew a lot of words, but, uh, but you know, but being here only a year is not enough. Mm -hmm. You need to be, not only be educated by the books, but you have to be living, you know, uh, with people. To, to learn the slangs, to learn the dialects, to learn the accents, you know. So, uh, so it, it, it was really rough, you know. People, instead of saying, well, you know, let me help him. But then uh, they were making fun of you, you know, that mm -hmm. you can't. But uh, a lot of people don't know that, but I speak two other languages besides English. You know, I speak Turkish fluently. And I speak Farsi fluently and English awesome, you know. I'm like I said, I'm still working on that. But so how many languages any of those kids at Bishop McGinnis could have spoke at that time? Probably not just one. Not just even one. one. Yeah, not even one. Not even one. You know what I mean? So but but the first semester at Bishop McGinnis was rough, but thank God to Doctor Sullivan blow bless his soul. He was the principal. He pulled it together at second semester, and I had a pleasure of, uh, uh, like, knowing a few of the guys named one of them, actually Kevin McCarthy, that he was the captain of baseball, basketball. He was the quarterback <laughs> of that. I, I guess I believe right now he works for Love's gas station. He works in the corporate office that I really like to meet him one of these days. He's the one really class act. You know, he showed at that time that he comes from a good family. And so Bishop McGinnis uh, was was where I graduated high school. And then you went to Central State, which is UCO, right? Well, no, well, after that, 
I went to uh, South Suck Jock, which was South Oklahoma City Junior College. There was only one complex, but mm-hmm. it's in Southwest uh, 74th and May area. Mm-hmm. And now, my God, it's like complex of 10, 15 complexes there mm. and called, right now it calls South Oklahoma City Junior College. And um, good experience there, a lot of great teachers mm-hmm. and I got my associate over there and then I went to Central State University at that time which called the name changed where you guys went to to uh, Oklahoma, Central Oklahoma UCL UCL yeah. University of Central Oklahoma mm-hmm. and again and I got a bachelor in chemistry great university very friendly and and I just graduated in 1985, and and that's it. Hmm. I uh, similar to Silva, I grew up mostly in more public schools. Uh, mostly went to Broadmoor, then went to Highland East. We spent a year in Purcell, but we went to Highland East, then more high school, and then. UCO for undergrad, mm-hmm. uh, so all of us will be graduates of University of Central Oklahoma, and then um, I got my master's degree from OU, and then eventually next fall, um, I'm going back to OU for my PhD. I've talked to Dr. Brueger, my advisor, about doing that. She's really excited, and I'm really excited. I'm not excited about the money that I'm going to spend, but I'm sure it's a lot. Uh, but I, uh, I'm excited to go back and get that last degree, but because it's school and really grade school, as far as like junior high and high school, um, I'm going to ask dad first, dad, what's the most embarrassed you had ever felt or your most embarrassing moment you'd ever felt in school? Maybe it's like that kids laughed for something you were embarrassed for or something. Well, <clears throat> back in Iran, you know that, and, and I'm as honest as I I am that I I was a good student. I mean, I was not a genius, but I was, you know, I was not a dodo either. You know what I mean? Like I kept. Uh, <laughs> uh, I mean, I I got up went to school. I had my days that, hey, didn't want to go to school. I don't know why, but any kids feel like that, you mm-hmm. know? Mm-hmm. That's but, normal. But then, that probably one of the memories that I have was this, that the average classroom, I was in the fifth grade, I believe. I still remember that. I was one of the good students, and then teacher you know puts a problem on the board and the average class in Iran was like about uh, at that time what like 35 to 40 students so she took every student on the board and they couldn't even go halfway with this problem I solved it all to the almost to the end but instead of putting like a positive sign it was a math and then I put a negative, you know. It was just something very simple. Oh, my God. You know, she she got everybody to be seated and then put a pencil between my fingers, you know, and she sat on that. <laughs> Te- teacher sat on your hand? Yeah, b- <laughs> big, fat ass <laughs> teacher, you know. <laughs> and, and here you imagine it like a... Did she tell you why or she just do it? No, because she was punishing me to teach <laughs> the others a lesson, you know, and I, well. You I know what would happen if I sat on a kid's hand today? <laughs> Even in Iran, you know, <laughs> it's probably the guy going to shove, <laughs> shove that pencil up the teacher's butt, you know, <laughs> before <laughs> she get a chance to sit on his hand, you know, but at that time, so. And while I was shaking as a kid, you know, what the hell is fat hey, bitch you're is in doing? You're fifth in grade. Fifth you know, grade. Yeah, fifth grade. And I was... That's tough for a fifth grader. Yeah, I was just shaking <laughs> and seeing this fat cow is sitting on top <laughs> of my, you know, finger. And so anyway, she said, well... Uh, so 
I start crying. She said, why don't you go, you know, wash your face? So I was running to the bathroom because it was outdoor. Mm-hmm. And I had to go through the basketball field, you know. And then there was sand, you know, there was gravel sand. that. So I slipped and I just dive with <laughs> my hand <laughs> and everybody in the whole school <laughs> was seeing this kid running next thing you know just sliding you know on this asphalt <laughs> and that so I got up and my hands I had cut oh. cuts in my hands so I went there I washed my hand and then it just clicked in me so you know I didn't do anything for to be for the teacher to sit on my hand or or everybody laughed at me. So I said, okay. So after that, I went to principal's office. I went there and I said, uh, I'm sorry, but you see what happened to my hand? Uh, what happened? Well, the teacher did this. And then I went and slide on the gravel. Well, and then the principal said, well, why don't you just go to school and you know, don't worry about it. I said, no, my dad didn't raise a dummy, you know, and, and I'm not just, anybody's kid here you know if my dad hears that you know I, I want to call my dad put it this way no 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 I said no I'm gonna call my dad and my dad you know really honest just loved his kids to death and dad came there next day there was inspector from a head office of education from Tehran which was the capital of Iran came there and and they were about to fire the teacher. But of course, the teacher happened to be, her dad was working for my grandpa. Mm. So then that was a peaceful deal. But the embarrassing was that I felt really bad was that moment, you know, that among all these 35 people, why me? So I, I think it was a little bit maybe personal mm-hmm, that mm-hmm. the teacher knew that who I was and wanted to show her authority she she went and there's a lot of people that they try to do that you know that sometimes they forget hey you know as a teacher we have a responsibility to make these kids to be better in life rather than getting on them because of course sometimes today's kids (laughs) if i was a teacher i would show them how they should come to school how they should behave and not to be on their phone but the system has changed quite a bit. Hmm. Silva, what's your most in embarrassing moment in school? Yeah, I keep I keep thinking of of two specifically that I that I remember. Okay, so I, this is a, this is an elementary. This is between third and fourth grade, probably. Uh, I think I'm nine at this point. So in my at my elementary school, when we would all gather, all the kids would gather to eat lunch. There would be a a big big stoplight. Uh, in in the cafeteria, yeah, I remember those. which was used to quiet kids down. If it, if kids got too loud, it would go red, and then you were not allowed to talk, or else you'd have detention, basically. So we all know some. We all know someone that sneezes like really loudly, like really loud, like screams, like sneeze, scream. Uh, so this girl would always ruin lunch for everyone uh, by sneezing, just a normal sneeze, and, and and the red light would go off, and then we'd all have to shut shut up for the rest of lunch. So regularly i remember that haunting me uh when i went to public school and then after that uh before you were talking about how teachers can hold maybe have grudges or take things personal with kids so i remember i had a teacher at briarwood called uh, her name was like mrs wilhelm or something she would uh scream at us pretty often and kids would take out the uh anger on her by going into the into the hallway because when you got in trouble you get sent to the hall just to sit there and uh, there was a filing cabinet there and everyone would write complaints on the filing cabinet. Um, so it'd be like, it, what am I allowed to say? Am I allowed to? Yeah. Uh, it'd be like, fuck Mrs. Wilhelm. Mrs. Wilhelm poops her pants. That kind of stuff. <laughs> so, wow. We're talking like, we're all nine-year-olds. So yeah. We don't even know what that means. Uh, so I took pride in never getting in trouble uh, in class. Like I, I would never cuss, never speak out, never went to detention ever. But one time she sent my ass to the, to the hallway and I was like, fuck it, I'm going to write something to do. Uh, so I was just like thinking, like, what are some random curse words? What have I heard my parents say or something? And I was like, Mrs. Wilhelm uh, fucks her mom. And I just wrote that on there and uh, went about my day. Those are memories from elementary school. 
That was elementary school? That was elementary school. How old were you? Like eight? Nine? Yeah. yeah. Jeez, man. I wanted revenge. <clears throat> Sounds like you got it on that yeah, filing cabinet. Uh, one more memory that I want to share, you know, that uh, uh, and it was in Iran also that uh, uh, Iran began to have a new program, you know, for at that time to give uh, like snacks uh, between yeah. hours. And then, so what they do, like, come uh, around like 11 o'clock, knock on the door, teacher steps out, and then they hand this package to every student. So then it, that package was like crackers, apple, you know, oranges, you know, you know, orange juice or that. So, mm-hmm. uh, so then we got so used to that that we knew the time that they bring it in. So my science teacher was my uncle. So, but he was very strict. So he steps out, but then he, you know, he doesn't shut the door. He only, you know, keep the door halfway that he can look inside the class through the mirror or, or through the glass, you know. So then we had, there was like four of us sitting in one bench. All, again, let's not forget that you, we grow up from first grade, you know, together. I mean, mm-hmm. this whole class, so everybody knew each other. So then we start, you know, banging on the table, you know, and and singing, you know, that says, Allazina mu'manuna vaqta zore goshnamuna. Meaning that, hey, thank God it's lunchtime and bring me the the snack because I'm really hungry. Mm-hmm. And you know, I was hitting, you know, on that, on the desk and, you know, and a couple of my friends, they were dancing, you know, on the table, mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> knowing the teacher is not there, right? Mm-hmm. But th- then next, you know, my uncle comes in, holy shit, <laughs> you know? <laughs> Do you know what happened? Mm. All four of us. They sit on your hand? No, this <laughs> time, <laughs> this time it was worse than that. Stoplight went off. <laughs> he just took it ruler and beat the shit out of us okay so well deserved sometimes i wish that was still a thing yeah well deserved i'm telling you one put your fucking mask on yeah for real (laughs) (laughs) got a meter stick bro when i was uh in junior high at highland east i had a teacher named miss hazlett Miss Hazlett was a heavy set woman mm-hmm. and uh, she taught. That's what we call thick these days. Yeah, <laughs> two C's. <laughs> uh, <laughs> she taught Algebra 1. And uh, she was nice in the beginning, but I, uh, maybe she just had really bad classroom management or I don't know what it was. But then we all started to turn on her. Mm-hmm. And this is why we all still didn't like her that much. Like it got bad and eventually she got let go. She didn't get asked to come back. But I remember she uh, was bending over to talk to my friend Eric to the right of me because we had aisles, and she was in between me and Eric. She bent over to talk to Eric about his math problem. And, like, this this woman's big butt is in front of my face. And I was, like, like looking at Eric, and I was, like, making faces. I was, like, what is going on? And then she blew a fart in my face. (laughs) (laughs) I was so afraid you were going to say that. (laughs) And I I was like, oh, my God. I just ate a fart (laughs) from my eighth grade teacher or seventh or eighth grade teacher. And I was mortified. And she looked around. She was like, oh, my gosh. I'm so sorry. But it got worse because my buddy Eric and everybody else, every time she walked by me, they make fart sounds. (laughs) And not because, like, she was actually farting, but just because, like, they wanted to remind me that I just ate a fart from Miss Hazlett. Hey, that's how you get stinky. (laughs) That's how you get HIV. It's probably, I don't know. But that was probably my most embarrassing moment in school. I don't really have that many. Did you ever, ever, like, shit yourself or something? No. Really? Did you? What? Did you ever, like, shit your pants? No, 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 no. Damn. Did you? Yeah, in second grade. (laughs) (laughs) Class was almost over and the bathroom was full and I was just, like, fuck it just, just going in your pants yeah and i just did it feel weird yeah it was very unpleasant it's like if you like walk into a lake and then walk out but it never dries <laughs> it never dries and it just smells bad what were you thinking it's like oh it's time I to like, go i don't have time for this <laughs> doing it now it's disgusting 
<laughs> were you embarrassed? Were you proud of that? Did you ride a bus? Um, no. My house, I was able to walk home. So you walked into the street. <laughs> yeah, I <laughs> and I got home and I was like, Mom, I showed myself today. <laughs> oh, man. Yeah. That's rough. I thought everyone had one of those stories, but I guess no, it's just me. just you. Just you, Silva. I never... It hasn't happened since then, I don't think. Unless, I don't know. That's never happened to me. <laughs> I'm sorry for you, bro. <laughs> <laughs> so... There's a bunch of subjects that you have to take uh, growing up, and then you have a bunch of teachers, and some teachers you have like awful teachers that are like, maybe they were, you thought they were good people, but they were just a really awful teacher, or maybe that they were um, a awful person, but a good teacher, uh, or maybe just awful all the way around, Um, but that growing up and like you can put this in elementary school grade school college who is your favorite teacher and why well <clears throat> i've had like again you know that in my uh elementary and high school which was is just in iran was one of the reason i studied chemistry because i you know in iran I was living at a small town, and then when I finished my uh, ninth grade, my parents decided, hey, they want to move me to a bigger city called Shiraz. Mm. It's in east of Iran that I can, you know, go to school there uh, with a better level of education. Because at that time, uh, the country of Iran had maybe 10 universities, but you had to pass a huge test. You had to have good grades. You have, it was just hard to get into university. And my parents, they were really wanted their kids to be educated. So they sent me to that town there. I was, uh, I, they put me with the fam- one of our fr- family friends, you know, families that I stayed there. And, man, I'll tell you what, after, like, two weeks three weeks that I was in the class uh, let's not forget the same system that I said you make all or you fail one you fail the whole year mm-hmm. every teacher that came there and like they asked me questions about it something very simple every one of them they told me uh, I'm sorry I don't think you know you're gonna make it here you know so it, I had a challenge in my hand I tell you what, uh, because I was dedicated, because my I got great great parents, great family that they backed me up and they supported me. Uh, so next thing you know, uh, all these teachers that they told me that hey, you know that maybe you should pack and go back. Uh, you know, at the end of the year, uh, you know, in Iran the system of uh, grading, you know, is like uh, three quarters, you know. The first, and then there's grade system that under 10 was fail, and then 10 goes to 20, 20 is A, you know, 19 is B, and all that. So the first quarter, my total GPA was like 11 something. So I had a lot of fail. You know, and those teachers, they just didn't care for me. The second, I had 20 in straight. The third, 20 straight. You name it, from chemistry to to literature to everything, you know. So, who made that possible? The teachers that they were there. They knew how to teach. And they knew uh, how to make the classroom interesting for me to learn. And and I owe it to them. And one of the reasons that I studied, uh, I got a degree in chemistry, is because of there's a gentleman named uh, uh, Mr. Jawahiri, which, you know, that uh, chart of uh, chemistry, <coughs> they called it a Mandelioff or a chart of the elements and all that. Mm-hmm. Here, in this country, they give you the chart. Then, in Iran, you had to learn that chart by by memories. You know, you had to put it in your head. 
what the what the like where is aluminum was where was you know the sodium was where that and then you have to know the molecular weight and number and who made that possible this mr jawari the way he was teaching it was just so pleasant so and then at college at south community college that i went to the algebra teacher and martin oh my god she was a good-looking woman and she, she really <coughs> was and she knew that me and my friend were sitting there you know we're just so interesting in not just the subject <laughs> but other subject that she had but and she knew that and she just loved me because I was you know I was a good student you never missed class I never <laughs> missed class for both reasons <laughs> and uh, and she was really great, great teacher. She was, uh, again, she was soft-spoken, great-looking. She, she drove up. I remember back it, that was in 1980, and she drove at night. You Google that, you see the car, Nissan 280ZX. Yeah, it's like a really nice car, like sports it's car. Sports, sports car. I think, car. Yeah. <laughs> oh my God! You know that I just wished one day I could sit by her and you know <laughs> that she can give me a ride home or something. You know, but she was good. And then when I went to university, uh, I had great teachers there. You know, the Dr. Westmoreland. I don't know if he's still at uh, at the uh, science department, chemistry department. Uh, Dr. Uh, Farrakh was there, you know, Dr. Frosch was there. Oh, I had a teacher named Dr. Uh, Hellweiser or Hel Hellmeiser. He was teaching, or oh, that guy suck. <laughs> <laughs> that guy, his name was exactly his character and his way of teaching. How can I make C on organic one by him and make A at organic two with <laughs> Dr. Mm -hmm. Westmoreland makes no sense, you know. It's just because of the way they're teaching. Yeah, I think teachers they make. It was a great. I've had some great teachers, really honest, you know. And uh, and I love going to college. I love college more than Mission McGinnis mm. because Mission McGinnis, you, you you had to get up to go fight, then learn. Mm -hmm. <laughs> You know, fight the kids, fight the the anger that these kids had. But college, and the difference between high school and college. Col at high school, that you have to go to school. Mm -hmm. But college, you pay to go to school. So then it was easy to get up and go to school. Yeah. Because you invested it yourself. Yeah, you mm -hmm. invest on that. And by the way, I'm so I'm so glad that you you want to go back for your doctorate. I'm really proud of you, and uh, and that was that's a great news to me today. Congratulate you, and you know, and and I I just want you to know that. Thank you, Silva. Who's your favorite teacher? Yeah. So uh, going through the more public school system. Um, I had, I had great teachers there. Uh, most of them were very similar, though. They were all just young, like uh, middle-aged, like white women, all of them, <laughs> basically. Or if I had a history class, it'd be a coach. Mm -hmm. uh, the whole system. So when I graduated and went to OCCC, I had my first non-white professor. She was like full Native American, actually. Uh, and it was a... So my favorite subject was always history, actually. And she was teaching U.S. history pre-Civil War. Um, and she taught history and just taught in a way that I had never experienced in, in public school. She I, teach it from the minority point of view. Right. She taught it from the, from the minority point of view, which <coughs> changed a lot about how I look at history and about how I want, about how I learned. Like, cause after that class, I was like, damn, what did, what did I, what did I miss out on mm -hmm. with the history books that were just given in public school? So that, that specific teacher helped change my overall viewpoint a lot, a lot. I've had a lot of, have a, I've had a lot more teachers like that since then, but. Was what, was, what was her name? I think Professor Jones. Mm. And that's something that that's something that we all experience in college, like especially from history. You get like these accepted notions of 
what happened or what went down mm-hmm. like globally accepted in the textbooks what the textbooks want to tell you right like oh america's fantastic and all these white people did nothing wrong and then you get to college and then you learn native american like genocide you, you learn a lot of really negative stories and uh you learn about the stories of people of color uh like all of us sitting at this table quite frankly uh it's pretty intriguing and my favorite teachers growing up um all have something in common um i didn't really have a favorite teacher i mean i had like favorite teachers but i didn't have any anybody that like really taught me lessons about more than just what class was until high school and uh i got a lot of things as a person um as an educator as um somebody that wants to be in school from my band director in high school uh, Mark Miller, who I was with him for three years, um, I got to be in Wind Ensemble, which is the better of the two sit-down bands. Um, I was his, one of his drum majors my senior years, and he already knew Ashley really well, and Ashley was a color guard captain, so he deeply believed in um, me and my sister and our family to be leaders in a program, and he taught me a lot about accountability and doing what you're going to say you're going to do and being not on time, but being on time is late. Being early is being on time and really just following through for commitment and he, and stuff like that and not resting on your laurels and the value of, um, the value of hard work and the small things, the details are what matter most like the, the details of things about how you go about things take you from somewhere that's like okay to something that could be really, really great. Like the best sports teams, they don't just focus on big and big concepts. They focus on the details about how they run those sports teams or how those, so that's a, that's a big thing. And then in undergrad, uh, Kenny Brown, who was my historical my historical, uh, oh, what is it? Research class. God, that class sucked. The UCO, right? At UCO, yeah. Dr. Brown. Yeah. And that, that class is where me and Jake became really good friends. Um, and he taught me a lot about hard work, perseverance, and expecting the best out of your students. And some students really hated Dr. Brown because they thought he was an asshole. And like, originally I thought, man, this guy's rough. Uh, but like he was nothing but helpful if you were, if you showed him that you were putting forth an effort, like the, I knew historical research was a bear and people usually took it two, three times. And I was like, me and Jake were in the same boat. We were like, we have to pass this class before we can move on to the next stage of our degree before we graduate. So the semester before I said, Hey, Dr. Brown, um, I'm taking a class next semester. Do you have any advice for me? He's like, okay, I've got 10 minutes for you. Uh, We can meet in the library. And this man sat down with me in the library for like an hour and taught me like what to look through and how to, what to look for so I could be prepared. And then in the class during that spring semester, he, uh, he was not only my historical research professor, but he was also my Oklahoma history professor. So like he knew how much I was struggling in the other class in uh during Oklahoma history and I met with him several times just to talk about my paper but it usually just ended up to talking about like life and I really appreciated him and sent him a couple emails after I graduated I was like the kids don't get it Dr. Brown like they think you're being a jerk and expecting you to read 20 pages every other day because they're in college and like actually pay attention and write good stuff and like you just want the best out of your students. And I don't think there's anything wrong with that, but you know, some kids are slackers and then grad school. I give everything I have to Dr. Brueger and Dr. Neil Hauser. Those two are like in grad school. It's weird. They don't treat you necessarily like students. You're like, I mean, like they, they treat you like students, but you're more or less like colleagues. Like a lot of them will tell you to call them like instead of Dr. Brueger or Dr. Hauser, They'll tell you to call them Neil or Christy, and that mm. made me feel very uncomfortable. Uh, I still like even like some of my colleagues at where I work at Norman High. They call them Christy. I'm like, that's Doctor Brueger and Doctor Hauser. Like, I don't. Know. It's a weird. 
it's a respect thing, but I just never felt comfortable. And they, those are people like got me through my master's thesis and Dr. Brueger, like I took a day off work on my master's thesis and Dr. Brueger sat down with me from 9 a.m. to like 3 p.m. working out all the last details on my paper to submit it to be uh, fully done with my master's degree and for it to be bound uh, and in the library at OU down under so like now you can find my thesis at OU mm-hmm. and they taught me a lot about just like being gracious um, being gracious when you know maybe you shouldn't be um, again accountability again being respectful um, as far as like the people that you maybe shouldn't have to be um, and then again just following through and being consistent being consistent is a main thing and then so this goes into the, my next thing, which is, you know, how is your, how was my household growing up? How the, how, how their views on education or our parents' views on mm. education and how that uh, maybe, uh, maybe uh, persuaded us. And, and it's, it's weird because, you know, growing up, mom and dad split up, but I always knew, and I, I, had, I had two different narratives always going. On mom's side, it was always, well, as long as you tried your best, that's fine. And, like, they, it was never really a talk about college. Um, they're like, well, as long as you tried your best. I was like, okay. But on dad's side, like, dad has a degree in chemistry. Uncles have degrees in literature. And one's a nurse. And the aunt's a nurse. And now, like, has another degree that she just got. And got an MBA. And uncle's a doctor. And... Uh, and everybody, so many people in that, and on on dad's side of the family have are are in the medical field in general, and just really educated people. And so I have, and I have this side, and and it's not like it's not like dad ever like was like forcing me to go to education, but it was pretty clear that the way to be successful and the way to become a more well-rounded person and to have a better life was to prioritize uh two things family which was one and education which was two so to me um i always felt like because like you know like in high high school they're always kids like oh are you gonna go to college and some kids like i'm not sure i don't know Mm -hmm. and like to me it was never a question to me it was like well yeah i'm going to college an expectation it was an expectation that i went to college and at least at least got an undergrad degree and then the next step was always, of course, like, well, get a master's degree. And then, um, so like I knew I was going to get an undergraduate degree. I always knew I was because that was an expectation. And then it was nice to get a master's degree. And then of course my next step to go get a PhD, um, so I can do what I want and eventually like go work in the NCSS, which is the national curriculum for uh, social studies, the national council for social studies and change a lot of what we learn. Mm-hmm. Like you say about high school, uh, a lot of what we learn is like really messed up and not true. Right. Uh, so like my ultimate goal is to like, yeah, I love being a teacher, but I want to go work for the national council for social studies and change things for all students that are like me, like you, like other people around us. Um, so that's kind of what my household was like growing up as far as like my family's expectations uh so what about what about you it's um essentially the opposite like my my parents were my parents divorced when i was five i primarily lived with my mom but neither of them had gone to college at that point neither of them really set any expectations for me in school i just kind of set my own expectations when i was younger and did well for a while until i got to like junior high when i just you know, became, started to become a teenager and like started to not care as much, but no one was really like, Hey, you got to step it up. No one ever really did that. Yeah. Um, cause my, I've, as I've gotten older, I realized my parents don't really value education that much. And that's like, that's interesting. Cause it's just like the total opposite of me. Cause like my dad, um, was always, always like, Hey, ed- education is like really important in mm-hmm. America. And like my dad was always grinding and working hard. And I was always like, I should be doing the same. Mm-hmm. Yeah, my my dad has always been about like really hard work in general, but he doesn't necessarily. He's never been like, well, you have to get an education first and then do it. Because mm. he, he he manages a post office, which is like good job, and he's worked it for twenty years now. But that's not the kind of job that I have ever wanted for myself. Right. Even growing up, I was like, 
yeah, I want to go do the same thing every day. And that was never me. So I was like, well, how do I get to that point? So going, going through junior high and high school, I really had no guidance um, as far as what to do afterwards, how to get into the career field I wanted to get into, which was beginning, which was beginning to form as journalism. It's what I wanted to do growing up, uh, figure that out in high school. So I graduated high school, um, waited a year to go to college, um, and then figured it all out myself. Basically, I showed up in showed up in mm-hmm. in, uh, in college and got into the degree that I wanted to get in, despite really not that much encouragement from either side. My mom was like, "Yeah, great job." My dad was like, "Well, you're not going to make any money doing that." I'm like, "Well, I'll, we'll see." It's a self starter. Yeah. Um, so I I just kind of had to gather from my students, kind of like see how they went about doing work. Uh, would if whenever I would speak to an advisor at the beginning of the semester, I'd kind of get some tips from them, mm. and eventually just created my own standards. And now I'm all A's all the time, and uh, have great a great uh, network of professors that I talk to often that are pushing me in the right direction up at UCO, and it's it's good. And now my now my kids will will hold value in education because still, it's like I I am still learning, and my parents have my parents stopped wanting to learn new stuff a long time ago. Yeah. And, and, so, and the best learners are ones that are constantly trying to take in new information right. and put that on their person. Mm-hmm. Like, so like the, and that, that's what makes people change. Like, for example, I think you would agree. And I think dad would agree that the, the person I was at 17 when I went to college, because I turned, I was not 18 when I went to college, I turned 18 the summer when I was already at East central before I transferred. Mm-hmm. The person I was at 17 was not the person I was at 19. And the person I was at 19 was not the person I was at 21. Yeah. And then when I, the person I was at the beginning of grad school was not the person I was that I definitely finished grad school. And because mm-hmm. like as people, the people that stop learning never change their mindset and they never become a new person and never want to become a new person. But people that con- consistently try to learn from other people, mm-hmm. other places and empathize and learn new cultures and waves of life. And even just music, uh, they, those people are forever learners and they actually create positive change. So dad, what was your upbringing like for education? Well, by listening to both of you, you know, that, uh, Remember, I was born in 1962. You know, that's where probably a good generation ahead of you. And then you're looking at 1962, you know, just I was born then. Then by the time 1966, 67, come, you know, then I remember my first grade that uh, I came home from school with my older brothers that, you know, Ali that passed away about 12 years ago that I dearly miss. You know, I remember that, that there was hundred and f- the hometown that we were living at, uh, there was three sections. One was senior staff, one was junior staff for oil service company, and one the city, which everybody else lived there, you know, that they had different jobs and that. So we were living out of this hundred and no, hundred and fifty two homes, which the top ten homes was the head honchos of like transportation, safety and fire, you know, different zones of oil production. So those ten houses that they were the highest level of uh somebody, you know, uh having education mm. and having the position at oil service company in southern Iran. I remember that our house was on that other 152 home. We, I remember when I was at the first grade, we were living in the house number one, which was my dad was up like the fifth grade among the senior staff, which had all the way to like 12th grade, you know, and then 13th grade was the regional that manager and was my grandpa and my grandma from my dad's side my mom my dad me and my brother Ali and sister Neptune imagine we were all living in a two little bitty bedroom at the house number one and next thing you know you know I was young I didn't know what's going on my dad was coming home from work after dinner he would get some books 
and the paper my my mom you know got it ready and he goes to like then he comes back at 12 o'clock next thing I realized my dad is taking some night night classes well as I grow older as the next thing you know our house moved from house number one to house 104 we got a better car we got a better house okay next thing you know my dad was working every day we see my dad every day the next thing you know my dad is going working like 14 days out of town and then just coming to rest at seven days so at that time high school diploma was like yeah in especially in Iran you had a high school diploma you were like equivalent to like master degree so the job was there everything was there the position was there but then my dad did not have a high school diploma at that time and let me tell you something about my dad you know my dad he was a you know back in old days you know that some of the stories that I hear from my mom you know when they got married their refrigerator was an ice chest you know <laughs> I mean it, it was just uh, uh, and then like my dad's when he was in first grade or second grade you know he was raised by his grandma and while all the kids they had regular notebook paper to write my grand grandma was uh, getting the, you know, the concrete uh, sacks, mm -hmm. you know, 25-pound <coughs> concrete or 50-pound concrete. She would, because they didn't have money to get my dad a, a notebook, she was cutting those into pieces of that and sewing them together, and my dad was writing on that. So my dad, by my grandma from my dad's side, was really encouraged my dad to get an education. As he got better education the position got better till I remember in 1974 1972 actually they moved us to house 149 my dad was you know he had he got his high school diploma while he was that plus more than that you know my dad as far as learning the turbines and all that in oil service company so he became well, the number two man in, in our state in oil service because he was the head honcho of a place called Gureb uh, Booster Station, was getting all the oil from all over the Iran, coming to that area and, you know, putting it into ships to ship it to overseas. And then at 1974, they sent my dad to France and England for six months to uh, to get education on turbines and and all that you know that GE uh, and all that so I can tell you that I saw that how education played you know that uh, better made our life better uh, this is why when I was 13 14 my parents they moved me to different town they mm -hmm. and my older brother you know came here at 1977 through that you know exchange student you know so my parents was really I mean right now I can tell you my younger brother he's his doctor he couldn't be a doctor without my mom taking the stick and and, and smacking him a few times <laughs> that's the honest the truth <laughs> my sister would not be a nurse today and you know if my mom you know, didn't sometimes beat the shit out of her to make her study, make sure get ready. You know, if my mom or my dad was a great guy. I love my dad. Bless his soul. He was my our friend. And my dad had, you know, but my mom, uh, education, I mean, you have to get the best education. I mean, even right now, she d she's got a fifth grade education in Iran, but I tell you what, she's 80 year old. She just passed her citizenship, and that hundred questions that anybody got to read, that everybody got to read yeah, and she, know. She can pass the citizenship test better than she I did. can. Yeah. She did. She passed 
There's a lot of people, they want to become a citizenship here. Uh, the elderly, they go get a note from a doctor that, hey, their memory is not da-da-da-da, blah-blah-blah. But my mom, about six months ago, she went to immigration, and she passed the, the citizenship on her own by asking questions. So that tells you how much education has been, you know, in our, in our blood. Uh, but personally, myself, I leave it to the individual Meaning, like, I got, I got three kids. That two of them are got a college education. One don't, and I love all equal. And then my second daughter, you know, she went to university and then she quit. And I just asked her. I said, you know, well, what happened? She said that uh, school is not for me. And and I didn't. I, you know, I, I, I understood. I, you know, school is something that you got to love and enjoy, you know, going. So she didn't. Now she's very successful in what she's doing, you know, that uh, she's a part of the management in Harley-Davidson anymore, and I couldn't be any proud of. And I've never bring this up that why you didn't get your education. No. So I just want to make that even though... We're, we're driven for education. I still believe in, you know, that, hey, you get education, that's, that's your future. So you can get a job Monday through Friday, holidays off, paid vacations, you know. I got a degree in chemistry, but I've, after, because of my family situation, I, I started owning businesses when I started 22 year old after college so owning it being self-employed very hard very very stressful I wish I would have stayed in school get a higher education and I think the future is education yeah and I talked to I know since Ashley is uh trying to get some downtime at work they're trying to find somebody to replace her and she's been thinking about taking online classes to get a college degree she wants to go back again you know like i said education you know i got a nephew that lives in iran very very smart guy but you know but i told him at a visit that we had, you know, he was like laying down on the couch and get being on his phone or or holding the book and I told him I said, Hey guy, you know, I mean and he was saying, Well, you know, school is blah 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 blah. I said, dude, you know, what you're doing is not what a college student gotta be. I said, if you can to- if you can tolerate, you know, six, seven, eight hours at a at the school sitting on you're putting your butts on the chair and looking at the blackboard then that's what education is by being this online bullshit you know this is not an education I mm-hmm. mean sure of course right now with all this corona and all that we are forced to take this kind of you know pattern but I'm a firm believer of education you got to attend the classes you got to get up in the morning drive to school park your car go sit in that Put your butts, you know, on a chair and listen to teacher, you know. Mm-hmm. And uh, that's where education is not just about uh, the, about the books that you read. Education, it gives you uh, discipline in life and gives you and opens the door throughout your, your, your schoolmates, you know. Uh, the same guy that that he was ready to kick my ass at Bishop McGinnis, you know, I met him at college. Totally different guy. Totally, totally different guy. Uh, because education, it opens minds, you know. Uh, especially these days with being online, you know, being everything on your phone and whatever you want to know, you know, if you want to know. You can find it pretty quick. You can find it. You open your mind up, you know, like don't listen to TV. TV just gives you what somebody wants you to know. If you really want to know the truth, 
get online you know there is 24 7 you can be educated you can you know so that's what life is about so we're coming to an end of the podcast and we i want to end it with just a question to my dad um because school is where you typically meet people of an opposite gender and you start dating people so dad i want to know about your first girlfriend in school (laughs) what her name was and how that went and why did it end uh let's not forget you know in iran okay at that time not now i mean right now is worse than here okay i mean it's just back in 70s in iran that's didn't have a girlfriend, you know, and didn't know what even, you know, the, the women was your mom and your sister, your cousins, you know. <laughs> <laughs> At the age of th- four, 13, 14, you know, that, that, and then you walk into this country and then you see, well, well you know, shit. There's <laughs> like 12, 13 year old, they're holding hand, kissing each other, you know, and then you see kids having kids, you know, hell, you know, uh, you know, then uh, I remember that, uh, I was a Bishop McGinnis, but then I was working at the restaurant called Sambo's, you know, with same breakfast, lunch, and dinner, you know, at Moore. And there, you want to know the girl's name? Yeah. Okay. Her name was Charlotte. And and she was just, I mean, I guess she never seen maybe a medium color in her life, (laughs) you know? So she was very white? She was very white. Mm -hmm. But uh, she was that she was a good good person you know and then she said hmm i got me a victim here you know (laughs) but but then hey you know let's not forget i was only like 15 year old okay Mm -hmm. and turning to 16 didn't even know any of the body parts how old was she she was 15 okay okay but 15 okay and you know so then she was going to actually to more school, you know, and uh, she was a waitress there. And then, hey, you know, we start, you know, uh, basically seeing. And then next thing you know, she taught me the kissing and all that, you know. And then in Iran, you know, sex should happen after marriage. After marriage, okay. And then, you know, said, hey, you know, and then, uh, <laughs> anyway, you know, the teenage hormones, you know, and, and all so that. so it wasn't like uh, Uncle Ali where it was an arranged marriage. That, um, it, it, <laughs> yeah, the, the arranged marriages, you know, it, it's a diff, totally different subject that happened back in many years ago yeah. that now, you know, that even today's Iran kids get, you know, right. uh, pregnant at teenage, you know, it's just the so most fucked up situation that Iran has ever experienced under these uh, stupid people. So what happened with Charlotte, though? Why, uh, why, did that, why did that relationship end? Because it seems like you guys liked each other, even though you were 15 and adolescent. Well, You're because... Charlotte's Web. <laughs> no, great book. The, the reason <laughs> for that was... Um, uh, even though she was good and all that, but she, I mean, that's good people. But <laughs> I went to Iran because revolution happened. Yeah. I went to Iran to visit the family at 19. I came here July of 1978. Then in summer of 79, March of 79, I went to Iran, you know, to visit because the revolution happened there. When I came back, a friend of mine said, hey, you know, when you were gone, you know, Charlotte was seeing the sky. And... And Charlotte thought, really, you know, that... So the guy, another guy said, well, yeah, I mean, he's going around. He's not going to come back. You know, at, at that time, the phones or the internet, right. there was nothing there, you know. So so when I came back and I went to work, and here I'm really excited to see Charlotte, but then Charlotte has had this strange look that it wasn't... She didn't expect me to be back, you know. And then when I heard that she was basically you know seeing this other se- dude seeing this guy and that was time that time for her was to take a hike okay so but you know but uh d- girlfriends 
relations is just so common in this country mm -hmm. you know at early ages you know but uh do i uh, i've gone through that in you know ever since i was 15 experiences you know but only thing i can tell you know the girls you know like i told my daughters you know uh the most scumbag creature God ever has created is a man, you know. <laughs> <laughs> so though they are, they are sorry. They are, yeah. So I tell my girls, you know, that don't fall for the trap of this, this monster man and their ego, you know, just, yeah. Well, I think that's going to do us in for this evening. We hit over about an hour or so. Well, I do appreciate for invite and uh, looking forward to the next one. And uh, hopefully by then, you know, we got, we know what the school is like and all that. So, you heard my dad's last words. Don't trust the monster man. Do you have any, do you have any last words, Silva? I would, uh, I would second that. Do not trust the monster man and uh, just have a good day. All right, bye guys. Bye. New designer, just look at the fit And I just blew a bag on my bitch You got caught, but you don't got the drip You get money, that's some type of myth I can blind you, bitch, look at the wrist For that bag and I might take a risk Don't get crushed, cause you care about a bitch Pass the Henny, I'm trying to get lit Trying to get out my body and shit Fuck around and start body and shit Remember nights we were starving and shit You my brother, I got you, that's it We can never fall out by the bitch